So live with the Blitz, uh, you know, some interesting questions. You know what? Uh, glaringly, no COVID related, no mask related. That was my bet internally that we weren't going to have anything like that because people are getting out doing a lot. I will say this, the State Highway Patrol reported that in Columbus, Ohio, or Central Ohio, less deaths than average this uh, vehicle deaths this uh, Memorial Day. Well, that's good. I wonder why. It could be because nobody's out doing anything or driving. And Are they not? Open. I don't know. I thought know. they were out. Well, I don't know. It was pretty busy last week uh, prior to. I thought it was kind of crazy. I got myself, I got my panties in a bunch a while back because I was all stressed driving. And I'm, I'm like, I had to go for. This is like middle of the afternoon. I picked up my son at school and I was driving across town and I had to go somewhere and I was all tense and I was like, what is going on? I haven't felt like that. And I look, there's traffic. There's traffic. <laughs> yes. This, this morning. There's idiots. Texting and, and, and doing things. Man, I was, I was driving. I forgot to tell. I was going to tell you guys this. I was driving down uh, the Arlington Mallway, which is um, like the old part of Arlington. There's a pool there and the school is there and. I'm just sort of cruising around, listening to Johnny Cash of all things. And behind me is not a motorcycle, not a moped, but one of those motorized bikes. Maybe that is a moped. You know what I'm talking about, but Mm -hmm. not like a Vespa, but it looked like a bicycle. Like the wizard. A wizard. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, uh, I, it wasn't really behind me. I look over, I'm in the Mm -hmm. right hand lane and this is a two lane street. And, uh, I look over and sort of in my back, uh, blind spot. There's this dude on this thing looking at me, and I'm looking. I'm like, there. I'm. I'm at a lot. Like, what is he doing? And I guess he was going to try to pass me. I, I. I don't even know what he was doing. Um. So I gave him a weird look, like, and I wasn't. I don't I mean, it wasn't even mad. I was just sort of shocked to see him. So I come up upon a car that was stopped with their four ways on, about 150 yards up. I put on my left blinker. I looked at him on my left uh, mirror and around my shoulder, and I started to pull out. And then I hear the F U S O B urine and blah, 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 blah. Well, there's this dude on the Vipper. What'd you call it? Wizard. Wizard. The wizard. <laughs> wizard. Dude on wizard. the Wizard. 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 The Wizard. wizard. No, no, not a wizard. Not the wonderful wizarding world. <laughs> he, of, was, he was riding a wizard. <laughs> yeah, he was riding a wizard. Um, and he, no. he starts going ballistic, man. I mean, he is screaming at me, middle fingers up, right by school. And, you know, I had that moment where I'm just like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, and then I was like, hit the gas. I'm going after it. And I was, and I thought to myself, what are you doing? Like, what am I going to go fight a guy? He on has the to abide by the rules of the of road. Course. He didn't oh, have never, he no business being on the, like next to me like that. Yeah. Oh, I know. They, it's like, they have secret rules that they uh, think they have. They have no, the rules don't apply to the wizards. No, these guys are the wizards. Was there a bicycle lane? You know that, that no, it was a it was a street. It was a it was a yeah. it was a it was a, a two lane street. It was no a bicycle two lane, lane street. No bicycle lane. No nothing. Yeah, and don't then, don't even get me started on that. But here's my other thing. To be honest with you, even if there's a bicycle lane, wizard, no bicycle lane. He's got to be because he's in. Oh, a, yeah. he's, he is now in a motorized vehicle. That's an interesting thing because it's it's true that like you this. can get a DUI. Yeah, it was something like that. That's the wizard. A, that's what it was. It was a wizard. Is that's that a hell of a bike? That, I like that. Is that a new wizard? He paid fourteen hundred for that wizard. That's at Walmart. Look at that bad boy. Yeah, they're bad. Let's show it to the people. There you go. Show it to the people. So here it is. The Phantomo All-Terrain Fat Tire 2021 79cc motorized bicycle. pretty sweet. That's right. Look at that. I love the rat trap. 
the front and the back. Look at yeah. that. A little he's army pretty, green action. He's got the holly hobby racks. You can put a little picnic basket there. Put a little picnic basket. Have a little horn. But on that, you know, the weather's <laughs> getting nicer. People should keep their eyes out for motorcycles on the roadways. Oh, yeah. yeah, you should. I saw and somebody, bicycles, motorcycles. somebody on Facebook. Yes. It had a there was a there was a nasty mangled bike. So no, I I agree. I, I mean, I was mad that I didn't see the guy. And this is this is I guess all right. So you're a motorcycle. You guys both ride motorcycles. Yeah. To me, it's, I look for things like that, but I don't look for things like that where I'm not supposed to see things like that. So I wouldn't have looked for this guy in the left lane going the same direction as me in my, like he shouldn't have been there. You're saying he was in oncoming traffic lane? Plus, yes. Plus it's a wizard. Why? It's not like it's. I, he twice he was, I was, as I was going through the light, you weren't going fast enough for him for his wizard, I was going 25, his wizard speed. I probably wasn't even going to. So there's a light. He probably doesn't even have a. He doesn't have a speedometer. So he was and, like, "Thought you were going to." And too he slow. sure. And he sure doesn't have inch and three quarter straight pipes on that bad boy. No. <laughs> but, and, but the point is, like, I was I was cruising along, and like, he had no business trying to pass me right there. I was going 25. Now then there was a car in my lane four ways on, and I had a choice. I could stop, and just sit there. But so I slowed down. I looked to my left. I looked. I looked in my mirrors. And I got the you know the bubble mirrors that show everything, and I did my best to look around. Put my blinkers on and or my left signal on. And I went around the car in the left lane. He was already there and trying to do the same thing, and like way in there. And I, I just thought, what What are you doing? Like, what is he doing? He was whizzing along. He was whizzing along. And it's like I, I, so I, I, I always do look for motorcycles, but don't be in a place you're not supposed to be. I mean, I guess there, there's like, there's, there's this, there's this responsibility on everybody's part on the road. Like if you're doing something stupid and you shouldn't be in some place, don't get mad when somebody doesn't see you there. Oh, I never can unless they look right at me and they still pull out in front of me. And I've had that happen. Well, I'm not talking about that scenario. Right. Like if somebody just makes a mistake or there's like, <laughs> look, when I met, we all, all have made mistakes driving. It happens. It happens. You miss something. You check the radio at the wrong time. You check your watch at the wrong, you know, or yeah. you're looking to the left when something's coming from the right. I mean, it, it happens. Well, it's but, difficult to see a bicyclist. And I mean, it's difficult to see a bicyclist where they're not supposed to be. That's the problem. And, mm -hmm. and anyway, it, it, it's hard. Then I had that, that sort of guttural road rage reaction. I'm a 51 year old man. And I just thought to myself, I'm going to kick his ass. And then, and I'm sure he was thinking the same thing. And then, and then I got home and I was thinking to myself, now how does that one play out? Like I go cut him off. I get out. We start swinging. Somebody gets the better of somebody. Pull your hamstring. And then what? <laughs> like then, then really what happens next? It's just nothing good. I showed nothing you. Good. There's that, 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 that <laughs> six year old got killed there in, in California road rage incident. I didn't hear that. Yeah, no. just, I think they just found that they had pictures of the car and yeah, just the really? road rage and they just fired shots into the other car. Oh my god! Oh yeah, yeah, that was a few weeks ago. Yeah, I think yeah. they, but they they were on the lookout. I think they have located the van or yeah. the the vehicle that was in it. But that's just where it comes down to. I think I remember here in Ohio somewhere, like outside of Gahanna, this is a few years back, yeah. a guy got stabbed to death. Yeah, there's been a couple. That was a big deal here in Ohio for a while, and they were watching that. So it's just. You so can, you you got to kind of watch it, you know, and 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 just because it's easy to to have somebody snap you make you snap. It happens. It's it's like this this flash. I got this flash, and I just thought, who is he? To, what is he doing? And he's mad at me for this. It's like, no, you need to say you're sorry, man. 
We had a caller on the Blitz, though, this morning who uh, remembered listening to Randy and Loper in the morning, oh, yeah, the an interview, thing. and that's the last thing you remember. So I'm trying to think to myself, it's like, the last thing I remember is an interview, hmm. and it's like, and somehow, I guess I got an OMVI. Oh, my God. Says, right? I can't. And, and, it's kind of rocky. And, my and memory that, that morning. A little, a little rocky there. So it's like, I just want to know what he was doing. Right, to be listening go. to Randy Loper. All right, all right. <laughs> so we're going to. The bike law in Ohio State's bicycle must be operated at or near the right side of the roadway is practical. Now, this is true. If you're on the road and you're supposed to be on the road, you're not supposed to be on the sidewalks. Um, and if you're on the road, I had a case like this where a bicycle, it's actually a friend of mine. He was, he was tooling along on his bike and uh, the cars had sort of stopped in front of him. So he was going to do what uh, any bicyclist was do, would do. You know, the, what was the movie with Kevin Bacon? Kevin Bacon was in a movie where he was a former stockbroker, like lost all his dad money or something. So he quit being a stockbroker and uh, became a bicycle delivery guy in one in it was a hilly city. I bet uh, that was I bet that movie was like, a hit. It was always oh, a Kevin I Bacon bet, special. I bet that movie. was just a it's called Quicksilver, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Quicksilver. Well, I'll look that up. But here's uh, so I was going to ask you about electric bikes and uh oh, same thing goes for an electric bicycle. On roadway show right is near to the right. Yeah, and he's not. He wasn't doing that. So. I, I'm in the right. Anyway, he, uh, my buddy was cruising along and he decided he was going to go around on the right side and, and just keep on tooling down the traffic. Well, guess what? Somebody opened up their car door yep. to get out. Oh man. He goes, you know, head over heels over the handlebars, r- literally rips the door off this guy's car. I think there was some damage there and he got sighted. Yeah, he should. Yeah. He mm-hmm. got sighted. Yeah, and he's like, I was just on a bicycle. And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And, and he, he took it well. He was like, yeah, I know. I was in a hurry, and I just thought I could do it. And, and you know, I've probably done that, too, at times. But um, I guess in uh, the, other, the other point there, and then we'll get back to the, uh, the caller, but the other point is that if you're drunk on a bicycle, not a defense. A Quicksilver, I had it right. Look at that. 1986 American drama. Oh, I knew it was a Michael Donnelly film or a Thomas Michael Donnelly. Oh, Larry Fishburne's in that one. Oh, yeah. So there's a seventh or the six degrees or whatever it is from uh, the bacon mania. Um, but yeah, so old uh, Kevin Bacon was a Quicksilver guy. There you go. But uh, yeah, you can get a DUI on a bike. It happens all the time. I've, uh, you I've get, get on your tractor. I was just going to say, get horse. on your lawn you tractor. Yeah. Yeah. You can get them. You can get them. Yeah. yeah. So this guy wakes up in the ICU and maybe he's got a crumpled up ticket sitting on his chest. <laughs> yep. <laughs> no yep. idea what happens. I get this a lot. Dude. Now, what I was worried about with him, frankly, and I didn't, I didn't want to go into too much detail, but just generally speaking, you know, you, these are situations where often cases, DUIs will get dismissed because somebody's really hurt. And uh, so if you're in my car and I wake up in the ICU and I've got a blood alcohol content above the legal limit and uh, there's a ticket on my chest and it turns out later you die, well, now I'm going to be charged with some version of murder. They're going to dismiss the OVI case in traffic court and they're going to indict you for the big daddy felonies. And that's what I was a little worried about. But it sounds like they just entered a not guilty plea. You know, I, I would need to know more there. But happens a lot. And what they do, it's a good time to talk about this. There's, there's, there's different rules about this. They can't just go in and take your blood. They can't go in and take your urine. They can't do those things. There's rules of play there. And, you know, generally, if you're on the side of the road and they say, well, Jared, would you like to give us a breath sample? And you're like, Nah, I think I'll pass on that one. Well, there's a consequence to that. And they will take your driver's license immediately. 
and uh, give you a license suspension. And they say they can do that because of something called implied consent. Impliedly, you consent to have us take a sample of your blood, breath, or urine. doesn't mean we're going to hold you down and force you, but you've consented. And that means if you don't consent, there can be a consequence, and that's the license suspension. Now, if you're unconscious, it doesn't mean that you, they're just, they can just go in and snag your blood. It doesn't mean they can go in and just grab the old urine sack from the, from the hanger and take a sample. <laughs> um, which I've had happen before, believe it or not. It's not a valid test, even if you did consent to that. But um, you know, they can't do those things. And it becomes very tricky on what happens when they do. Uh, there are rules on how they have to collect it. There's time limits on when they have to collect it. And then sort of the Trump all, uh, Trump everything is sometimes they'll just go get a search warrant. They'll say, well, Jared, you know, <clears throat> he he is unconscious because he's wasted and he's had a head injury and he's on the hospital gurney. So we're going to go wake up old uh, Judge Jones over there and two in the morning and he's going to sign a warrant that lets us go pull his blood. So they can do that. And that's happened. Um, I had a recent vehicular homicide where they did just that. So I was a little worried when he was talking, like maybe somebody's hurt yeah. here. And that's why your OVI went away. It sounds like he just didn't know. He's like, they pled not guilty. Who knows? They, they, did they? Uh, yeah, I mean. You weren't there. I wasn't there. So it, it, what he said made sense. I mean, if he didn't, it, both things could make sense. He shows up and the public defenders say, well, guess what? Your OVI is getting dismissed. We're just going to plead not guilty to the rest of it. Or it could be, guess what? We just pled not guilty. We'll send you some paperwork. See you later. Either way, he's not going to know what's going on. Why? Because they don't have the time. And even if they did have the time, that they may not take the time to, to explain everything thoroughly. That's why uh, in situations like this, get a lawyer. Uh, and I'm not saying public defenders aren't lawyers. I'm not saying they're not good lawyers. They are. Yeah. But if you need answers and you can't get through, don't, you know, that doesn't mean they're bad. It means they're busy. Um, and, you know, you may want to get some additional information. I talked to somebody over the weekend like that and, you know, spent 20 minutes on the phone with them, got them fixed right up, pointed in the right direction, said, see you next week. Made him feel better. But yeah, that's a, that's a scary thought. Another reason don't drive drunk Uber. Yeah. Well, one time in in mid nineties there, I got, I pulled out of Ingahanna, pulled out of a bar, had a headlight out. Didn't realize I had the headlight out. I get pulled over. Cops talking to me. I give them the old, I had two beers, mm. right? Everybody had two beers, mm -hmm. right? Everybody can't say one. Cause that sounds like a lot. <clears throat> you can't say three because now you're getting close. Yeah. And you can't say none because you smell like beer. And yeah, you know, I can't. Yeah. So I had had the two and a couple of shots, whatever. <clears throat> but as I'm talking to him, he has me get out. I do the test. I, you know, I mean, I do everything you say not to do. I do all the tests. And then he, he's, I'm talking to him and he was like, you told me you've been drinking. You seem fine to me. It's, it's your good day. I'm going to have you blow into this. He's got a mobile breathalyzer. I'm like, well, that doesn't seem like a good day to me. This seemed like a trick, <laughs> right? It did. And I was like, this I was like, I was good. like, how is this? How is this good? And he it's said, a trick. He said, well, if you blow over, I'm going to have you park your car in that parking lot and somebody come get you. Yeah. If you're fine, I'll let you go. But once again, this seems like a trick. That that doesn't hardly seem. Mm. I I blew into this, blew into this, blew into this. Don't know what happened. It beeped. The light came on. He's staring at it. He's staring at me. He's like, "Where are you going?" I said, "I'm going home." He said, "What are you doing tomorrow morning?" I said, "I'm replacing the headlight." <laughs> he said, "Get out of here!" Wow. 
And I mean, because I was right there, Flanagan's right there at 60. Oh, yeah. I, mean, I, yeah, I, yeah. I, I turned left. I, I mean, it's not like people leave Flanagan's drunk. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I saw him too, because I didn't know, I didn't realize I had the headlight out, but I saw him pull over to the side and whip around. I said, well, he's coming for me. Just saw me pull out of the bar. And then, and I, I remember there's a couple other cops that showed up. At one point in time, I'm sitting there and he was like this. He goes, he flashing in there. And I was an S10 uh, blazer. Had a little console there, and he sees his bag he hanging out. He says, "What's that bag?" I said, "That's my quarterback." <laughs> and and that's what he did. He was like, "What?" I I will go here, and I pull it out to him. It's full of quarters because I didn't have <laughs> I didn't have a washer and dryer. I had I used the laundromat, so I, that was my quarterback. And uh, just enough to break the old ice. <laughs> oh just, just, my god! And you know, so but I didn't know, and I was standing there. I kind of remember contemplating myself like, "You shouldn't be doing this," but then he let me go. Now. The the bad part probably is that I went straight to Dino's of one sixty one because that's where we were going. I was going to meet up, and I lived right off one sixty one at the time there. So just you right. know, stop by Dino's right. real quick. Right. Dino's change of plans. On just change of plans. You know, with the headlight out, like yeah. Yeah, one cop pulled me over. Yeah. What's the odds? What are the odds of the next one? Right? Yeah, can't happen. I'm gonna be, but then you know, I, you know, Gahan. I understand one sixty one. Everybody's got one headlight oh over there. God. You know, one sixty one seventy one area. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's everybody's <laughs> got bungee cords and zip ties and everything going on in their cars in that neighborhood. See, what we used to say is, and not used to, but a, a very common saying is, "Look, don't break the law while you're breaking the law." Yeah. Right. <laughs> yes. Don't like. It, look, you're breaking the law. Don't break the law. You know, you, right. if you're if you're driving drunk, you're breaking the law. Don't don't drive with a headlight out. And don't, don't pull don't, don't pull in the bank with with <laughs> I rob banks painted on the side of your car right. as right. you run in to rob the bank. It's like uh, you you rob the bank and get away <laughs> with it, and you're and you're, then you're going to go speed through the school zone on the way home with a bunch of blue or red dye money on your front seat. It's like. I steal shit. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it, it just not smart, not smart. So th yeah, that's the trick. Is um, I don't know what the trick is for you. It's like you just got out of it. I just got out of it. You just got out of it. So I, but the, I was going to say the trick is don't do the field sobriety test. You don't have to do the field sobriety test. Let me say that again. You don't have to do the field sobriety test. And everybody's going to say, well, why don't I have to do the field? Because you don't have to do the field sobriety. So here's the deal: a field sobriety test is really just a mechanism that you are providing to the other side, the other side, the big arm of the government, the police, law dog, Johnny Law, whatever you're going to say, Buford Pusser, you're going to provide them a way to describe how drunk you are. And then you're also going to provide them a movie that they get to show the jury about how drunk you are. So everything you're doing nowadays is going to be on tape. There's a video of it. And some of them are quite the resolution is amazing, really. I mean, they can, you can, I've seen people's eyes dilating in some of these body cams now. It's really amazing. And uh, if you don't have any of that, it's not like they're going to think you're not drunk. They know you're drunk. I mean, last time you saw a drunk guy at a party at a bar and you weren't drunk yet, you didn't ask him to do a walk in. Oh man, you look like you might've been drinking. Hey, can you do a walk and turn test for me? I'd like to confirm that. <laughs> uh, no, you know, right away that Jared's drunk. I can look right at you and say, oh, that guy's been, that guy's wasted there's a oh, look man. there's an attitude you got that little sway man back in high school man, we were at a house party and the buddy goes to leave because he's got to deliver newspapers okay so it's like getting close to three or four in the morning whatever they're dropping off the dispatch he's got to wrap them up put the band-aids on them, rubber bands on them inserts and he comes back into the house he's like hey man come here and it wasn't to me he's a friend of mine i hate your car 
He hit his car on the way out, put a big dent on the side. Uh, He's stammering and everything. We're like, hey, man, it's cool. You know, my dad's got a good shop, man. We'll get this fixed. We talk about it. Sorry, man. And then me and my other buddy let him get in the car. He can't even make it out of the driveway yet. We're like oh, waving yeah, cool, to man. him. Hey, oh, we, love you, man. we love you. <laughs> have, have a good time delivering the dispatch. Uh, you know, so it just my dad's got a bitch and set of tools. <laughs> my dad got a bitch and set of tools play. We'll get that thing put right back together. Well, and that brings up another good point is that is that I tell people I, I give talks on this sometimes now to kids and others, but it's like how many people really think to themselves, Man, I've had a few beers. I better not drive, I'll kill somebody. No, you think I might get pulled over and get a DUI. You never think I might actually get in a crash and kill myself or the other guy come in or run over a kid or do anything else. So the, the, it's just, it's funny how we are able to say, yeah, look, man, good luck with the papers. No worry about the the damage to our car here. We'll get this, uh, we'll get this fixed right up. You're, you're not thinking to yourself, boy, he better not drive. He might get hurt. And even if you were, you're thinking, I hope he doesn't get caught. So th- anyway, that's the, that's the two cents that, uh, that I have on that now. Now, did I have that kind of wisdom when I was 19, 20, 20, or my twenties? No way. You know, when you were still partying and doing the thing, that's just what it was, but you were unsafe at any speed. Yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. (laughs) But Mr. ICU, you know, there's a good chance he's hurt somebody and, uh, the case has been dismissed for a bigger charge. And if that's the situation, there is a lot that goes into defending those cases. There Uh, is a lot. And I mean a lot that you cannot just go into that willy nilly. You want to get somebody competent to deal with it. So what else did we have on the old hip parade medical I bills? S- I saw that old Amazon is uh, kind of looking like they're dropping the medical. I mean, not the medical, just marijuana. Like if you uh, piss dirty on, on, on weed, unless you, uh, they kind of treat it like alcohol to where oh, you're right. not allowed to show up drunk or allowed to show up high if they know that or whatever. But it uh, looks, and I started, uh, it was an article. I didn't read the whole thing. I just saw it just, just popped up and I was thinking to myself, well, that's because they can't get, they can't hire anybody. Yeah. And after COVID, everybody's got weed in their system. Yeah. It's like, you well, know what I mean? Or it's CBD. Like, well, I mean, you know, there's, <laughs> there's you know? The, the Delta eights. There it is. They dropped testing. Wow. For, for some jobs, not all. Yeah, I'm sure on. it's like a forklift people, well, probably well, not. For, for drivers. 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 Yeah. yeah, because it's, it's what it's going to be is it's an insurance thing. So it depends on your insurance. Now, obviously, Jeff Bezos can get, you know, a really good price on insurance, I'm sure. Well, no, you may, you bring up a good point. There is something out there, and I have this conversation with most DUIs that come in my office. I ask them what they do for a living, and they look at me sort of strange. I'm like, listen, here's what I need to know. If you are in sales, if you're a driver, if you do something at work where they supply you a car and or some vehicle to drive, you they probably have something called fleet insurance. And the yep. fleet insurance means they're insuring the entire fleet of vehicles for the employer. And if you don't, uh, or if you get a DUI, you're probably losing your job. Yeah, here or, it is. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Amazon will no longer screen its job applicants for marijuana use for any positions not regulated. By DOT. Yeah, so your warehouse yeah. guys... Feel free. Spark it, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know what? Amazon has an interesting model too. I think they sort of farm out 1099 out the delivery guys. Yeah, they do. Yeah. They they encourage people to set up their own delivery companies and then get an Amazon contract. I've known a few people that have done that. And uh, it's actually, it's smart for Amazon. It gives people an opportunity to set up a business, but it's really smart for Amazon because they avoid a lot of that liability. Because there's another concept called respondeat superior, meaning... Jared's driving for Amazon. Jared's uh, 
got a real quarter bag, smoking them if you got them all the way, dropping packages off, having a blast, saying hello to the dogs and the and the families. And, you know, you get in a wreck and hurt somebody. If you're on Amazon's dime, then they're responsible. Yep. Generally speaking, they're going to yep. sue the deep pockets. So, uh, this is interesting. So this was, uh, let's get it up there. So we can this, yeah, this was, uh, in response to a New York city law. Here, show the, show the crowd. Man. And, um, so this is interesting. So Amazon was hit with a proposed class action lawsuit because the company was violating New York city law by testing applicants for jobs at local facilities for marijuana. Yeah. First of all, I can't use New York City law as any sort of gold standard on anything that makes rational sense. Um, Apparently Bezos said so. Yeah. Well, if the, the other thing that, 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 that comes to mind here is this push, there was a big push out in California to turn in all their, or turn all the uh, Ubers and, and food oh, delivery yeah. folks and all it, the- Down to musicians, down to everybody. It, you can't be 1099s anymore. Yeah. And, it, you know, that's going to, that impacts also like first of all, just what we were talking about. So if you, I, I would say this, somebody is going to pay the extra, right? Somebody's going to pay the extra. So all of a sudden the price of deliveries is going to double for Amazon or maybe not quite double. I had 30%, 40%. <clears throat> and uh, maybe double actually, because then you got to maintain vehicles. You got to do It's like, it changes everything. Um, and I am not going to go work for Amazon as a, as an employee, as a W2, because I don't want to be, te- I don't want any of this nonsense. So uh, now it's going to just change the cost structure across the board. And everybody's like, wow, you know, that's extra tax money for the government. Yeah. Yeah. Well, who's going to pay that? You, you don't, you don't think your little prime free deliveries are going to continue. <laughs> or all of a sudden the, all of a sudden or the prime membership prime doubles. Is, yeah, right? exactly. That's going to double. Right. But that's going to get passed on to the old consumers. But, uh, this one's for you, Jared. I don't think Bezos is hurting. Um, Space Force. Get it up on the screen. Yeah. Space Force uh, just got their budget increased from $40 million last year to $15 billion. And looky, looky, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what I said. I was uh-huh. like, I said, the private market's going to go into there and start subcontracting. And they don't have to answer. A private they, company doesn't have to answer anybody. No, just ask Boeing. Just ask, yeah. uh, you yeah, know, I mean, Raytheon. And they don't have to tell you what they're doing. <clears throat> no, either. correct. Like correct. the government's got to tell you what they're doing, but Bezos like this. Hey, guess what? I, I mean, does he even have a they're, board? They're free of, well, this is Blue Origin. So yeah, that's, that's his company. That's his, that's so his, that doesn't have a board. That's an LLC. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's, so, yeah he, he, you don't so. have to. And at that, like I'm saying, the only people you'd have to tell what you're doing is your board. This and is they this, don't have to tell anybody. Well, not, no, because FOIA does not cover which is Freedom of Information Act that doesn't cover private businesses. No. And the government figured that out a long sure. time ago. Sure, Blackwater stuff, right? The oh, old, yeah. The old yeah. Uh, mercenary well, Raytheon, soldiers. You know, and, what's Raytheon doing behind closed doors? What's freaking Boeing doing? Well, I mean, and this is what, uh, it, it's just another way the government gets to bury money, transfer money, pay people. In this, I mean, this is pretty similar to what happened with the vax or the uh, virus funding, the the uh, gain of function funding. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they, they sort of like the pseudo semi private, semi public, mm-hmm. semi government, semi not funnel it through. It goes through eco healthcare, whatever that is. Like put then, it into a tunnel and then inside the tunnel, there's yeah. like 50 doors you can go into and right. you don't know which one it went into. It's, it just now is, my, my cousin in law <clears throat> met him in the Ozarks, the commander, uh, you know, in former sub commander. Yep. 
Oh uh, God, he's twitchy, and and he's and he's. But he it was funny is that he listened to our podcast, really, and he listened to the things I brought up because now he's going to work for Space Command, and uh, he's got a position out there. So you know, I was uh, probing him with the alien information. Right. I was, I was hitting him hard. Yeah. What do you say? He I, neither confirmed nor denied any of my suspicions. Uh, what's they he never do. But, uh, but uh, you know, I. I think that he's going to go back and talk to some of the brass and let them know that we're on to them. <laughs> You've been discovered. We better include these guys. I seen that in his eyes us. a couple times as he wanted to change the subjects. And right. I was like this. I can see the wheels turning. He's like, yeah. well, I got to get to him. This lawyer talk. <laughs> I got to be like this. Listen, there's people out there. They know. Let's get him in front of Steve. Steve will I, interrogate him. I tried to get him to admit <laughs> that the Chinese had just recovered a newer ship than what we had recovered. He wouldn't confirm it, wouldn't deny it. Mm, he they did, never do. He did, he did go along with uh, the craziness that they are launching into space. Yeah. He did go along with uh, the, the research that the Russians and the Chinese that, are, that they're doing that it's uh, really been amped up lately. Yeah. Well, like I said before, you know, we have like 3,000 satellites or whatever up there. China has 400. Now you, uh, and Russia has like 360. So it's, there's a huge disparity. Yes. But they're catching up. They're but now you up. just talked about the meat producer that got hacked. Yeah, right. I mean, so get ready to pay more for a steak. Oh yeah, man. You know, ground beef's coming around. Hey, if it's up to Gates, man, you you're but, eating plants that are steaks. But, but how now. is it that everything that Biden wants to destroy, uh, like know. the meat companies and the gas, how is how it? are they getting hacked? All of a sudden, hmm. we just can't just we can't hold the hackers back. Did you see, speaking of bad government policy, did you just see the latest on, um, let me see if I can find it. There was a, it's relevant to you on, uh, on um, oh, teen no. smoking. What is it, down? Up. It's up? Yep. They need to quit smoking. I think it's I, up. I can help them out <laughs> with some vape. Oh, let me see, let me see what the article said. Um, it had to do... Why, why is it up? I have to see this article. There's an article on reason.com. Oh, what's the reason on that? Uh, it had to do, the, here's the article, teen cigarette smoking went up following flavored tobacco ban. Let me repeat. Well, of course, ban it. And teen take. cigarette smoking went up following the flavored tobacco ban. So this is what we all said was going to happen, right? I mean, it, it's like everybody thought, well, this flavored tobacco is encouraging kid or the flavored uh, vaping is yeah. encouraging kids to vape and get addicted to tobacco. And then I think when, I think I put it this way, it's like, you can't just say all the kids um, who are vaping are only vaping because of flavored vaping. And there's going to be a certain number of those that would be smoking anyway. And be, and I, I think this is the question I asked. I would want to know how few, how many fewer kids are smoking now than they did 20 years ago before vape. And then, uh, or say five or 10 years ago before vape. And that's where you got to start because if you're vaping instead of smoking, they can try to make their arguments about why that's bad, but it's certainly better than cigarettes. You know, they ran through, I've got a bunch of, I haven't looked at them in a while. These are older charts, a couple years old now, but I, I did the research there and, and on teen smoking and younger and, and overall smoking and how the eighties and nineties just had this huge, huge spike. And that's right where I was at. And I'm tobacco use yeah. in general. And I'm going to tell you, that's because all Gen of X, my friends, everybody, we smoked, dipped, chewed, everybody did. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, damn, I mean, everybody did. I mean, I have got like one buddy that, that didn't. I don't think Stuart did. I, and a couple of times he put in a dip, I think. But uh, 
I was, I love to dip and chew tobacco. I love and my, my other buddy, Joe once said to me, he goes, they, they had this conversation when I wasn't there of like, who would be a smoker that they knew if it weren't bad for you. And my name came up immediately because I loved it. I loved it. I loved the feel. I lo- it felt cool. It was like my old, I used to, and maybe it's because of it. I used to watch. I, I, old, I remember I, I bummed you. I gave you a couple cigarettes. Sure. When I was drinking, even yep, then, well, back, my adult yep. life, I used to love to smoke cigarettes. No, I never saw you with a pack, but I remember a couple times you're like this. Hey man, yeah, well, let me get one of those. Let me get one of those. And it, it, I loved it. And I think, um, I wonder what it was. You know, I look back, I used to watch the old black and white movies, the old, uh, the John Wayne. I, I just love the, just something about it. And, and then tobaccos or nicotine. Really now addictive. I'm also curious too on this rise of 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 younger people. These these young hipster kids. You know what I've noticed, and I, maybe it's just it, what I've seen rolling their own. Yeah, that, that was cool for a couple of people but, to do that. But but I think no, I think that's I think that's on the uprise right now with the younger kids. I think right now they're rolling their there's more rolling their own. Well, maybe because they can't get it. It might be easier to get... Uh, you can get a jar of Durham. You can get a jar of Buglers. Remember the old Buglers? Buglers, you bet, man. I used to buy Buglers. I remember stumbling That's into 7-Eleven. That's shitty taste in tobacco right there. Stumbling into 7-Eleven there on, uh, across from the Southburg on campus. Yep. I stumbled in there and bought some Buglers on time. South, South, South Heidelberg? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I used to buy the yeah. Kroger's. Yeah. So I'm reading this article. Basically the argument is this, if you're not going to, it's the classic, it's the classic uh, argument we always make here is that, oh, if the government bans it, that's what, you know, this is bad. So the government should ban it. It, It's not like what would happen if we actually ban this? Will there be some other consequence? Where's the leak going to expose itself if it's not here? So you ban flavored um, vape products, which, you know, take whatever position you want on that. I'm not going to take that on right now. But do you think that that's just going to cause all kids never to use a cigarette or tobacco product ever again? No, of course not. Like, banned guns, man. That's going to end gun violence, won't it? Like, no, of course not. And even if you got rid of all the guns on the planet, now you're going to have a knife problem. And if you got rid of all the knives on the planet, you're going to have a billy club problem. You know, you can't just say that we're going to ban something and then expect it just to end. There's always an adverse consequence. Always, always, always. Oh, did you see where they were grilling though? The old uh, going to be the uh, leader of the ATF, and he was asked. Uh, he was asked, "What is your definition of an assault rifle?" Everything. Yeah, and, semi-automatic. And he, and he, he couldn't. He, he he wouldn't give a definition. Then he kept wanting to go to what the ATF has. Raised. He said, "No, I'm not asking that. You're going to be in charge of it. What is your definition?" Couldn't, couldn't, get, couldn't get an answer. So no, he wouldn't give an answer would, because we already know what his definition is. He couldn't. And and here's He's gonna ban um, everything. Here's the problem, and it, it, it really this is the biggest problem that's always existed with. Oh, hold on, one second. <clears throat> this is the problem that's always existed with this assault weapons. The, the proposal to ban assault weapons is that you can't define it. There, people think like, oh, it's an assault weapon. I mean, AR-15s look scary. That's a brand. I mean, it's it, it doesn't even stand for assault rifle. No, it, no, it's so stupid. And so I, and you're right, Jay, I used to say this. So you mean just get rid of all the really scary looking rifles? Mm-hmm. Well, guess what? That's going to leave about a half a dozen that I know of that some of which I own that are far more deadly than those things. You know, it's like you give me a 308 bolt action rifle at long range and I'm going to be far more accurate and it's a far better killing machine than than a uh at that range and i mean i wouldn't even say long range give it to me at 25 yards that's what i mean (laughs) you know it's now is it's now then they say well it's just the really scary looking ones or the automatic ones and i think well 
That's just playing on emotion. It's not automatic. That is, that is putting the, that's putting the camel's nose under the tent to get them all banned. And then then they would. I've asked so many people, "What is a what is an assault weapon?" I get no definition. And then most of a lot of people say, "Well, I mean the automatic rifles." I'm like, "All right, there are no there are none. There there are plenty of automatic machine guns. That means it's fully automatic. They're machine guns, and yes, you can have those, but they're heavily regulated. And you have to have a special permit, and, and it takes you like a year and a half to get the damn thing. It's, I mean, it's doable, but it's not like there's not many crimes out there happening with machine guns. Nope. And and statistically speaking, there's very few crimes happening with AR-15 type weapons. Handguns. And most crimes are handguns. Now, then somebody said, well, we just don't need any semi-automatic weapons then. I said, well, then you're basically taking every gun I own because almost all my handguns are semi-automatic. They are. Um, I own one, two, three semi-automatic shotguns. I own one, two, three. I own two or three semi-automatic, not AR-15 rifles, like little 22 type things. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then you tell people that and they're like, well, we're just talking about the AR-15s. Okay, and then back to what you said. Oh, the right. scary ones. Scary ones. Yeah. And then that's just the camel nose under the tent. And then somebody said to me, well, why do you need those semi-automatic shotguns? It's like, because I go bird hunting. I like three shots. Bang, bang, bang. Well, can't you? I mean, they used to shoot them with one shot. And I was like, yeah, it's better now. Yeah, it's way better. <laughs> we used to do a lot of things differently. Yeah, it's like yeah. I used to have no air conditioning too. But yeah. Yeah, now I turn it on when it gets a little bit warm. You know, it's like. We it, thought petrol was a waste. We used blubber for our oil. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. So you don't <laughs> yeah. need those. And, and then you get to the spot where people start telling other and people trees. what they, quote, need. And there's nothing more offensive to me than somebody telling me what I need. Yep. And I can't imagine anything more offensive to you than me telling you what you need, either to do or not to do. It's just stupid. So I, 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 speaking of gun control, we should bring this up. I just filed, uh, Jared, you were there last year in the Ohio Supreme Court, State versus Weber. Guy. I was there. You were there. I was in the big room. You were in the big it's, room. It's a big room. There very, some... very neat. And I, you know, one thing I went there and watched Steve and I was happy that there was a, uh, a couple tours that came through students. Yeah. And, uh, so I was sitting there because I'd already, I was looking at the murals and the paintings and this, it's very majestic in there. And I was, I kind of moved a couple seats over so I could hear the teacher because it's like, well, can I sit in on the class? You know I mean? I, I would like, to, because I was just sitting in here wondering what this all means and you're explaining it all. So I was there cause there was a break in between. I think uh, we were just waiting for your time up or something. Yeah. And uh, so I was just sitting in there and, and uh, it was neat to get to learn a little bit about uh, the Supreme court. See how the sausage is made. Yeah. And, and as an attorney, it's sort of an interesting experience. I mean, it was, uh, that was the first time I'd argued, Personally, I'd sat at council table with others, but that's the first time I argued personally in front of the high Supreme Court. And uh, it's it's a little, uh, I guess what, what you have to do is sort of take in what you were taking in, sort of the majesty of it all, the, the formality of it all, the significance of it all. And it gives you a little bit of respect for the process, right? I mean, I think it should be formal. I think it should be a little intimidating. I think it should be uh, big for all sorts of reasons, like a big room, big, big, tall there's like all these judges sitting way above you and you feel like you're big to do. There's a, it's a big to do. And, and you know, it, it was a, it was a great experience. So, but, and I was watching the other, you know, cases that were being presented and I was watching expressions and how each judge went along. Cause I knew what yours was going to be. I wanted to see, and it was just very, it was, there was something about it at one point in time in Steve's argument that he would think is not going to be on our side was the one that kind of came around to be on our side. 
it was you know, i mean it was blown you away that it was the democratic that you know and and dwine boy that whole family get out of here yeah he didn't like me he didn't he wasn't he wasn't a fan of mr no. palmer and uh <laughs> chief justice and her connor she oh, didn't like my me no. god she didn't like me she but did not it, it showed me in, in I, look i'm not going to say anything bad about her it just we had a fundamental disagreement there was a question i was asked and she asked it she asked uh well doesn't the government have an interest in protecting uh people in their homes and i it, it was an interesting way. It was such an interesting question given the topic of the case, because the, the idea of a governmental interest in regulating something is relevant for purposes of almost any constitutional challenge. So you have to measure how much the government should have an interest in the regulating or the thing it's regulating. And, but the way it was asked, it was like, shouldn't the government, have, shouldn't the government get involved in protecting the safety of others in the home? And, and I just, it was such a great segue for me to say, no, that's our job. That's the homeowner's job. We protect our homes. It's me that, that I, well, you're telling me the government can't, I was like, no, 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 no. I, I mean the homeowner's job. That's why we're here. It's the homeowner's job to protect their home. The home is their castle. And what I did is, and I knew, and she knew, and we both knew what was going on. It's like she was saying, well, there's a governmental interest in uh, safety in the home, but it gave me a perfect segue to say, this is the point. We have a guarantee to protect the safety of our homes. It's a constitutional guarantee and it's right there in the second amendment. And it says that we have a right to bear arms to do it. And then, you know, if you have the case of um, DC versus Heller, the U S Supreme court and judge Scalia, God bless him. He says that's an individual right. And the very fundamental core purpose of the right, according to justice Scalia is protection of the hearth and home. So it's not about a militia. It's not about all this other crazy nonsense. It is about self-preservation. Your self individual right to protect what's yours and yours. In your home. I was going to say, in your home. why can you ask, well, how would you do that, Judge? How would the federal government protect me? Well, this is what the, this, well. Because they're called first responders for a reason. See, this Something is has the, happened and they're responding. And that was sort of the, that was the little segue that we cross wires on. Because the terminology is the same, but the meaning of both are different. So the government has an interest, of course, of, of safety in the home. The government has that interest. And we were there to measure the significance and the weight of that government interest versus our individual right to keep and bear arms in our home. And I was saying, look. You brought up a point of the governmental interest of safety in the home, but that is the point I'm trying to make too, which is we have the right and the obligation and the duty to protect our home and we can do it with firearms. That's what the second amendment says. And you're right. What is the, what is the government going to do if I, um, if I happen to come home a little bit of a buzz after being with a dude there at the ICU and turns out a stalker followed me home and I'm, I'm drunk. And this is what, this is the argument we made. This is how I started out. I, I started my argument by saying, it's like, imagine a situation where it's a young lady at a bar, say in Cleveland, and she's been in the flats and she, she's, um, she gives the bartender that because little not secret to cut signal. it out, but to bring it up to listeners that do not know, I think you should give them kind of a backdrop of, of what you're defending. Fair enough. Yeah. And this guy, my client was accused and convicted of having a weapon while intoxicated. He was standing in his home with a shotgun in his hand, unloaded, pointing towards the ground, and the police came in and saw him. He was also under the influence of alcohol, undisputedly, admittedly, under the influence of alcohol. And he was charged with having a, a weapon while, or having a firearm while intoxicated. It's a crime. It's a misdemeanor of the first degree. My argument was 
that's an unconstitutional law as applied to anybody in their home because it basically would prohibit you from ever using a gun to defend yourself for the core purpose, protecting your, or to use it for the core purpose, protecting your hearth and home just because you're intoxicated. A home invasion after I had three martinis or after, <laughs> say, I had a Memorial Day weekend party. Yeah. And somebody disgruntled well, at the party came, came back. Home I'm not allowed to. And it's on your nightstand and you go to bed. Yes. So the law yeah. in Ohio says carry or use, but we found cases where just being around it was enough to get convicted. And, you know, it, it really raises an, an interesting issue that hardly ever would come up. And I, I often get this response to it like, well, you know, how often is that going to happen? Who's going to get charged just because they're drunk and they had to defend themselves legitimately? And I'm thinking to myself, well, why does that matter? Right. I mean, all it takes is one. How often are you going to exercise your right to free speech in a public forum? Like once, twice in your life, you're going to go out and say something. Right. right. Um, what if they said you're not allowed to exercise free speech while you're drunk because it's dangerous? You know, you're thinking, wait a minute. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait a minute. Well, they're going to say it's dangerous to others to have a firearm in your home. It's like, it better be because if somebody's coming in, I want to use it. You know, that's the idea of it. So it, it's the backdrop of it was that this uh, Mr. Weber was accused and, and convicted of having a gun while intoxicated. He was not directly engaged in self-defense. But my argument was, if you're going to make this a crime, then essentially you're saying it's a crime to defend yourself using a firearm at home just because you happen to be under the influence of alcohol. And then we let off with that argument. Like, imagine if you're a young lady and you're at the bar, say, in the flats in Cleveland, and you feel this weird person around you. And it's this dude who's been stalking you, following you, giving you weird looks, maybe even gave you a little grope or something. So you use the signal that, that they teach you with the bartender. Like, you hand them a note, and the bartender sneaks you out the back door, and they put you in an Uber, and, uh, and you go home. But you're still worried because you know this guy knows where you live, and you're still concerned, and you're still afraid. And you've recently purchased a firearm because you're afraid. Now you've had three or four drinks and you might be under the influence of alcohol. So you go to sleep at the lazy boy uh, with a firearm on your chest. And then you hear the. And you're thinking, oh, my gosh, is it the guy? What's going on? Is it the guy? And I think I hung it like that for a while. And I was like, and, and maybe it turns out it's the police at the door and they're just they're checking up on you. But what if it is the guy? Is this young lady committing a crime right then and there? She's carrying and using a firearm in her home while under the influence of alcohol. Should that be a crime? And it really frames the issue. Some judges listened. Some were just kind of like this with what? the roll of the eye, like hot air. Mm -hmm. It what? was, it was, it was, you know what I mean? And that's why you have the number that you have. It's disconcerting. Yeah. They don't even want to listen to you. Wow, isn't that their job? Well, I mean, they were listening. This? I don't want to say they weren't listening. They I'm just, just going to say that they weren't agreeing. Yeah. There, were, there were some that were like, okay, I see where you're going. The others were just like, listen, here you Still come pretty, again with your made-up stories. Pretty unprofessional. Uh, no, no, nobody no, was unprofessional. No, they weren't unprofessional. Nobody was unprofessional. Nobody, was, uh, nobody treated me inappropriately. It was a fundamental disagreement on what these rights mean. And, and look, I get it. I have been made fun of. I rolled at my entire career. I remember standing in juvenile court as, as like two years into my practice or a year into my practice. And every time I made an argument, I always attached it. This is the Sixth Amendment judge, or this is the Fourth Amendment problem. You can't do this. This is a conclusive presumption, violates the 14th Amendment due process clause. And, and they used to call me, oh, Mr. Constitution's here. And you know, at first I, was like, I felt a little embarrassed. And I was like, you know what? You're damn right. I, yeah. I, I do believe in this. I, and I really do. And I I, I've always said that if you can take one, you can take them all. So don't take any of them. You're damn right. That's the, that it really is. 
my my pet peeve and the other the worst pet peeve i have i've said it before it's like well you know we we often uh we, we often restrict the first amendment and we don't let people do blah 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 that's what we've always done and, and i look at them and i say yes and that sucks too and they look at me so straight yeah but we do it and i was like all right so let me get your argument here we do we have one significantly impeding regulation on the first amendment that we that we agree is bad but we're going to use that to justify more with another amendment yeah that makes a lot of sense so we do it with this one so we're going to do it with this other one too and this way we've always done it so we're just going to do it we're going to keep on doing it now then it's that, right you incrementally end up with no constitutional rights so I am a firm believer in the Bill of Rights. It gives me chills even thinking about it. I read 15 it. Fifteen days. Um, working on fifteen okay. months. Well, during those fifteen months, turns out we got a decision out of State versus Weber, U.S. or the Ohio Supreme Court, that said, "No, no, we disagree with you, Mr. Palmer. This law does not violate the Second Amendment of the United States Constitution, and we find that we're going to apply a standard of review that's pretty lenient." Middle of the road standard. We're not even going to call this like an important one. This is like an easy one. We can just summarily dispatch of this and it's, it's constitutional. I was asking for a standard review called strict scrutiny, meaning if you're going to impede a second amendment, you better have really, really, really good reasons to do it. Um, and they said, no, just sort of middle level scrutiny. So during the 15 months, I drafted up what's called a petition for writ of certiorari to the United States Supreme Court. Just like um, um, old, um, what's his name? Ah, I'm drawing a blank. So, oh, yeah, Jay's got strict scrutiny. So, uh, strict scrutiny, is that up for the world? Wow. Yes. Huh? Yeah, I just put it up. Okay. Um, basically, you have to have a compelling government interest that is narrowly tailored or narrowly drawn, they often say, to achieve that compelling purpose. <laughs> Uh, it's got to be the least restrictive means to achieve the goal. And my argument to this, to the Ohio Supreme Court, and now if the U.S. Supreme Court takes it, uh, is that this law could easily be more narrowly tailored or narrowly drawn. All you have to do is say, except when possessing mm. or using a gun in the home for purposes of self-defense. Bingo. It doesn't mean you can't convict somebody for being a jackass with their gun in the house Right, being reckless with it. That's a different crime, and it might even be this crime. Negligent. But you can't make it a crime just to carry or use a gun in the house if you're under the influence of alcohol. That was my argument. So let me ask you just real quick. Uh, the burden of proof falls on the state in cases that require strict scrutiny, and that's what you were going for? That's why you wanted strict scrutiny? I wanted strict scrutiny because it's really hard to withstand strict scrutiny. Strict scrutiny is a standard of review that if, there is a, if there's a regulation that directly impacts the core value of an amendment, of, a, of, a, of something in the Bill of Rights, not just any amendment, but a fundamental constitutional right, then it has to be judged with strict scrutiny, meaning you can't just say there's a good reason to do it. Right. And that said that the burden of proof falls on the state. Correct. The state has okay. to justify it once you raise it. And that would be true of any level of scrutiny, but it just how much they have to justify it matters. So, you know, I, I guess Gideon was the guy. Oh, Gideon versus Wainwright is who the guy who had uh, in forma pauperis, he filed a, a petition for writ of certiorari in the U.S. Supreme Court because he didn't get a trial by jury in a misdemeanor case down there in Florida. And uh, he forever changed the landscape of trial by jury. Um, or counsel, I mean. He didn't get a lawyer in, um, in a misdemeanor case. 
so he, because of old Gideon filing a petition on his own, old Gideon, he, uh, he, that's why we have court appointed and public defenders for misdemeanor cases. Uh, so what I did is I, I filed a petition for writ of certiorari in the U S Supreme court. And what I'm asking them to do is review my case. And, you know, it wasn't always obvious to me. So I'll just sort of lay this out. Like just because you ask the Supreme court to rule on something, they don't have to, they don't have to take cases. They can say, nah, nope. Don't want to hear this one. Don't, don't care about this. Not important enough. And the things that they don't look at just generally would be like, the jury found me guilty. I was really at mom's house at the time of the murder. So um, I, I'm not guilty. They're not going to look at that. They want to look at big picture legal pronouncements on fundamental constitutional rights. I think I'm talking about one. So we'll see if they take it. And if they take it, let's, uh, we'll take lawyer talk. I say, uh, Justice Kavanaugh, is it okay if I set up the podcast table right over here and argue the case from, from the table here? Hey, let me check my calendar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So no, if I, it, it, it would be a, a phenomenal experience as an attorney to go stand in front of the U S Supreme court and argue that case. And hopefully they'll take it. Uh, just real quick here, legal scholars, including judges and professors often say that strict scrutiny is quote, strict in theory, fatal in fact. It used to be strict in theory, fatal in fact, because if it, 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 the real question was what standard of review? And if you heard strict scrutiny, it almost always failed the test. <clears throat> that has not been the case. There's been a few cases lately where things have uh, actually survived strict scrutiny. This says 30% of the time. Yeah. However, an empirical study of strict scrutiny decisions in the federal courts found that laws survive strict scrutiny more than 30% of the time. Yeah. And some of that is really how, you know, th there's been some other sort of watered down strict scrutiny Ooh. that have, has been applied. Interesting. However, a discrepancy was found in the type of religious liberty claim with most claims for exemption from law failing and no allegedly discriminatory laws surviving. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. And some of that was, uh, it, some of this is outcome oriented. Okay. So, you know, they, they, they will go to great lengths to justify or not justify what they want. Well, I always learn a lot when I'm here with Steve and Jared. Now, today is June <laughs> 2nd, so I do believe at 12 a.m., the mask mandates and everything in Ohio uh, have been dropped. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm not wearing a mask today. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm fully vaccinated, so. Right. With the truth. So, yeah. Yeah, fully vaccinated with the truth. And, I and the red pill. Chicken pox. <laughs> I think I got my chicken box. So yeah, that's that's out today. Are they? I I, I do believe there's still some some kind of restrictions. Are they limited on space? Uh, I don't you know I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. I think my position on this is will be the same as it always was. If you want to wear a mask, put that thing on your face. If you don't want to wear a mask, don't put that thing on your face. You don't want to be around me, get around me. Or I, don't get around me. I said earlier, um, we were walking around Branson. We were at Silver Dollar City. We were all at these places taking tours, going to museums. And in the Ozarks, it was like COVID didn't exist. Here's, no. here's the problem. So it says Ohio's mask mandate, along with most of the remaining coronavirus health orders, expired Wednesday. Starting Wednesday, there is no state order requiring non-vaccinated adults to wear face coverings indoors or bars or restaurants to space out tables. State set res restrictions have waned in recent months, blah, blah, blah. Um, is this just the honor system? Well, you know what's coming, right? You have to start proving you're not. Oh, you're yeah. Right. And now, how I don't does that? I don't think they're going to be able to. You can't do that. I don't think you're going to be able to do it. How does how do they get around HIPAA? How, how, I mean, in theory, you can't ask me 
That's against the law to ask me any medical. Look, here's the case. There's a, there's a U.S. Supreme Court case called U.S. v. Jacobson. And I think it was U.S. v. Jacobson. And this goes way back to the Spanish flu, the 1918 flu, whatever that was. And, you know, Jacobson was prosecuted for not getting the second vaccine or he got one, but it didn't take. So he had to get another. It was something like that. I think it was out of somewhere in New England. And uh, I think it's a horrible decision. There's talk about whether it even still would stand the test of time if revisited. But um, it's going to come to a head, whether they can ask you if you've had the shot, whether they can require vaccine passports. So whether they can, uh, I, I don't understand how human resources are even getting around there. There is the law is pretty straight with HIPAA, but here's what, here's, what's really interesting. So a couple of weeks ago, OSHA occupational safety health administration came out and said, uh, Hey, if you're a business and you're going to require your employees to have the shot, if they get injured, that's an OSHA recordable on you. Ooh, ooh, well, there goes your insurance money. That's, uh, again, that's, gosh, I hate that. That's sort of like when they did the PPP and it's like, like shoving the responsibility back. Well, you knew that was going to happen the, because they're mandating it. You know, they're not going to take liability for no, it. Of course not. So, so that's one shoe to drop. It's just amazing to me how people don't like, to me, this is so troubling that it just, I, I'm, I, I don't know, maybe it's just because I'm an attorney. I'm, I'm always able to sort of step, step aside and say, all right, what are we doing? We've got the government forcing people to get a vaccine. I don't care if it works. I don't care if it doesn't work. Um, but the government's forcing people to get a vaccine. How is that right? And then what if mm -hmm. you don't get the vaccine? How do they enforce it? Well, I'm sorry, sir. You're not allowed to get on an airplane because you don't have this little card that we've issued you. And I'm sorry, sir. You don't, uh, you're not allowed to cross over to New York to go fishing this summer because Mm -hmm. You don't have this little card that we would give to you. I'm sorry, sir. You can't come in here and shop, but we'll deliver food to your car door. But, you know, you don't have this little card. We think but, it's but, bad here, though. Canada is blowing it up because uh, no, they are ridiculous Canada's, right now. Canada's yeah. a whole nother well, beast. Well, it's because churches. they're not free. They're, they're still they under the crown. They don't have the Bill of Rights. They don't. They do not. They so don't. Anybody it's, thinks it can't happen to you, it's yep. happening to the Canucks up north. Well, and what's funny is, huh, so eventually if I have to have this stupid ID, but man, you don't have to have an ID to vote because that's freaking racist. Well, what? I mean, this is, oh, it's a good, this is so much more it's good, intrusive. It's unbelievable to me. It is a, it's a good, it's a good point. And to say that you have to have a vaccine card. Oh my God. And if we're able to produce mass vaccination cards, couldn't we get everybody an ID to do other things if that's really what the goal is? And, and so I would just say, I don't care about the veracity of what is, what they're regulating or what they're trying to, I care about the power that they're taking in order to get it done. Right. Because if it's vaccines this time, it'll be something else you don't like next time. Yep. Even worse. It'll, it'll just get worse. This will not get better. I just, uh, the mask mandate still holds for public transportation, planes, trains, automobiles, buses, public transport. It's so stupid. Yep. I'm going to, I have to make a special mask. One that's got like a screen in it so I can breathe. You know, that's, it's. I'm going to travel. I've got to travel. I've got to get on the plane here for in a few, in a couple of months. I think I'm going to take my, that big thing with the canisters on it. I think I'm going to wear that. Uh, well, it. that would actually um, filter out a virus. Uh, masks <laughs> do not. N95 masks do not. And 
They don't filter out a particle either, which is a spike protein. <clears throat> and that's what's making you sick, people. You hear, heard it here first. Now, uh, go, go ahead. Wake up. I think I'm going to wear the serial killer. Well, I'm looking respirator. to do a bunch of traveling with Jason Banks. Oh, yeah. He's, and, a, he's and, on the this, road. and this has been, it, is, it has come to my mind because we're working on new deals and jobs. I'll give you, I'll give you a rundown. Starting here. Now, the simple one here is Toledo, Ohio, Tempe, Arizona, Columbus, Toledo. Ohio, Miami, Florida, Liberty Township, Ohio, Memphis, Tennessee, Virginia Beach, Ogunda, Ogunda, Ogaden, Ogaden, Utah. There's a What is that? What is that? Ogden, Ogden, Utah. And then we'll be in Nashville, Huntsville, Alabama, Hoover, Alabama, Omaha, Denver, Colorado, Albany, New York, Hartford, Connecticut, Dayton, Ohio, Royal Oak, Michigan, St. Louis, Syracuse, Des Moines, Fort Worth, Dallas, Lexington, Orlando, uh, Raleigh, North Carolina, Richmond, Virginia, Kansas City, Missouri, and Minneapolis, Minnesota. Holy God, and Jason that right Banks there, is blowing up. And all of those that I named to you, you got to remember, are four to seven shows. Whoo! And uh, so I'm going to be going with them, helping them with merch, helping them with uh, support, going through, getting everything done. And we've been talking about it, of what we're going to be able to drive to and what we're going to have to fly to. Yeah. Now, the one out of all of this list here, Shorty knows I'm going on this run here, on this this six-month uh, tour here of the United States. Pretty good tour. That's a, that's that's a nice. That's, that's a big tour. Minneapolis. Minneapolis. Shorty was like this. She's like, I really don't know... Minneapolis, all the other ones. She was, you know, what I mean, but Minneapolis, and then I kind of thought about it too. It's just like so scary, isn't it? Now the 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 one we're going to in Memphis, and this is coming from you know Banks here too. He's like, okay, we're doing one there in Memphis. Now the club that we're doing is a primarily black club. You know, what I mean, and there's different parts of Memphis. Oh yeah, Memphis is pretty and rough. It can get pretty yeah, rough yeah. in there, and. uh but really, I did started thinking about Minneapolis. I was like, what am I going to do when we go there? How are you? You know, I mean, he doesn't have a lot of Floyd jokes, you know, what I mean, or anything like that. But, you know, that's 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 we're going you to. Know, uh, it, it's it's funny you bring this up because I would say that two or four years ago, you probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have thought nothing about thought Minneapolis. nothing about anything racial related. It's like I wouldn't have thought twice about it. And it's not even that, man, I. I, I don't know. It, it's just, it's odd. The whole thing is odd. It's like the, there's a, there's an aftershock or an unintended consequence to this. Like now you're thinking, well, I mean, this is going to be a problem. What are they going to say? And, and it's not that you don't care, but now all of a sudden it's weird. You know, it's just, it, the whole thing is, in, is insane. I, I just, and then it, in Minneapolis just isn't a safe city now. No, it's not. No. And it has nothing to do with race. It has everything to do with no cops. No cops. Everything's right. been closed. Right. I mean, they, their, right. their problems are, are large there. And it's like, we're going to go, do a comedy show like there. Right. So what that, happens there? It feels like I'm going to, you know what I mean? It's, it's like Baghdad or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just, I guess that's a little bit far, but really I've seen the news. Yeah. It kind of resembles a lot of the things that I would see that happened in Baghdad. It looked like burning cities. Yeah. But you know what I mean? On that, I guess we got to go out there and, and give the tour of laughter over. and bring people back together. Um, the latest show he did the improv there was the 28th through the 30th in Tampa. Once again, all the shows are sold out. The Ohio show, all the shows that are up, tickets are up for sale, have been selling out very fast. And thanks. 
Florida clubs are a little bit different than the one we did uh, the previous weekend was in Cleveland uh, because they were still, but this was before we're in Cleveland. It's not the second, you know, they, but they still had their limited seating. I mean, the shows they did in Tampa were packed houses because we're in Florida, packed houses. Right. Uh, so, but it's going to be interesting. I'm I'm going to go to places that I haven't been. And like I say, I'm not going to be driving out to Utah. I'm not going to, you know, like the Nashville run. We're probably going to drive to Nashville because we go from Nashville, the 24th, uh, and then the 25th, we're in uh, Alabama. And then the 26th through the 27th, we're in Alabama. And so we'll drive to those. And it's just, it's going to be interesting. It's uh, going to be a, an adventure. We got a meeting with him coming up here in Channel Five One One this uh, Friday. Yeah, talking about putting together a new website and Patreons for him. Yep, uh, he's got some great ideas. We've got some great new merch coming out because uh, people are buying it, and that's one thing I found here too: shirts, hats, glasses, vinyl wrap. Can't get it. He's just and and everybody you're gonna people are gonna have to right off the jump charge more comes back to deliveries you were just talking about because everything is costing more. But what I have noticed is that people have really quickly became accustomed to paying more. Well, but I think eventually, are you saying we will run out because we, we kind of, at one point, you know, in the podcast here, we were talking about how, you know, the, the walls are crumbling and everything's ending, which that, you know, things aren't going to be as good as they have and we'll get through it. Period. We'll get through it, but it's um. Right now, people are willing to pay more. I think for a lot of stuff because they haven't been able to do anything for so long. Yes, and at some point, that's going to wear off. Like I like, there's a price point for everything, and you know, I I saw one uh, person I know on Facebook was, I just went down this rabbit hole reading some of these comments, and they were talking about yeah, like no no tax for the lower or the middle class. Yeah, right. And their point was. I have to pay X dollars more per gallon of gas to get to the jobs I'm working. And I think this person had a cleaning business. And I immediately, I mean, I, I realized last week I had to raise everybody's rates by $5 a month or $5 per session per clean. And people were bucking it. They didn't like it. And, and she's like, I don't have a choice. I can't, you know, my margins don't work this way. Yep. Uh, you know, I've, I've got to charge you more because I'm paying that much more to get to your house. Yes. And it, it's, it, that is a tax. And it's not a trivial amount either. It adds up. It, it I is filled up today, three bucks a gallon. Yeah. It was a buck 29, not four months ago. Yeah. Last year we were, I mean, for the good old days, we were in the dollar for the dollar. Right. right. You know? Yeah. So it, I mean, yeah. buck 29, buck 29 versus three bucks. And that's going to continue to go up. As we, as, as this administration just restricted drilling in the Arctic refuge and all this other stuff. Yep. Well, as banks was looking into it, the price of, uh, air tickets, air tickets are, 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 yep. are way up yep. and we're trying to do the math right now down to, because I've got another list in here where I've, I've, I've written down to the whole list and wrote down all the miles, you know, I wanted to, you know, to see where it was at estimated time travel and everything and all the miles on there. And it's like, we're gonna have to figure out what it costs. Mm-hmm. Now it cost me, and I and I filled up and filled up, so I didn't drain the tanks down. But I'm gonna say it was probably about a hundred and twenty dollars to do a round trip uh, to uh, Branson and back in the big that, in the in, big in the diesel, yeah, yeah right. in the diesel, oh, the diesel, yeah. And uh, I don't know what it cost in the in you didn't Tahoe. Anything, did you? No, I wasn't. Oh, I had my bike in the back. I gave my bike a ride. Hell, that's nothing. Speaking of which, I've been looking at these. Uh, well, anyway, go. 
Take so, a class you're, you're if you're looking, your, uh, Steve. Take a no, class. No, no, it wasn't. For, it was a. Right. It was a. Um, I'm looking at tonneau covers for my truck. Oh yes. And they got this one. I think it's called the Renegade. This thing. It's like I, I always end up doing this, right? I end up. I end up landing on the nicest, awesomest thing. And Funny how that always happens. You start researching. You like. I was like, <laughs> man, I, I really need one that does this. And then you find the one that does that. Yeah, but if it also did this, it'd be really cool. And then you get to the one, and it's twice as much as. Is it <laughs> electric? These, no, 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 no. Okay. You can pull it. It's a renegade. It's um, it's a solid, uh, load bearing tonneau cover. Oh, okay. That flips back in thirds. Yep. And yeah. It comes off in two seconds if you don't want it. And um, yeah. it's got uh, channels for tie downs. Oh, the old metal Here, butterfly. Pull it, pull it. No, 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 no. That's not that it. One? Look up the renegade. Right there, renegade. Yeah. Open the renegade. Renegade bed covers. There you go. Tonneau. Yeah, yeah, there's only one kind. Oh, heavy duty Tano. So there we are. Look at that. Is it are we is everybody watching this? Yeah. Look how much that thing is. I probably can't buy it, but man, it's nice. <laughs> it's nice. Oh yeah, that's pretty God. nice. That's pretty nice. Yeah. It's too much. Oh, there it is. That's why it's nice. You can put a diamond motorcycle. Plate. People yeah. are putting motorcycles and four wheelers. Yeah, you got and, diamond and plate drive up right there. up there and strap it down on top of that. Oh, and look at you, that. You, yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, I like so that. So you can store a load on top of that. Yeah, that's nice. Now, you know, the price is high, but if you're buying a cap, it's about the same price. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have to start talking utility and cost. load bearing. That's nice. It's load yeah, bearing. I wish, really really nice. I wish you'd have never showed that to me. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at this. This guy. Oh my god. They got a job <laughs> box up there. Look at that. Oh go, dear go me. Go through. Go through the phone. The guy's got a uh, four wheeler on it. He's got motorcycles on it. They got. Uh, oh, for twenty. It's twenty three hundred to twenty eight hundred. Yeah. If you, well, that has to do with like how long your bed is. Oh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah. That's that. sweet. I should call now, the them. The question is, how the heck you, how do you get that up there? Uh, they got they, there's a video on it. They oh. got ramps. You got to put your bed down because they said yeah. the pressure on the bed as you're driving it up right. might not be good. Um, but uh, <laughs> oh, heavy duty tie downs. Oh, Jared. I mean, isn't that cool? Nice. And then they got the tent set. Look at that thing. Oh, they, I've been looking at the, these for a while. They got the actual rack there that uh, that gives you a little bit of elevation above it, so you have a whole nother section of storage. The guy's got a spool. Oh, look of, at that. A spool of, spool of wire, wire in case you needed that. Because you will. Load of drywall. Oh, I love that. That is Yeah, so nice. I'm saving. I, like, I looked at all the other options. I landed on that one, and now nothing's going to be what I want except for that. Nope. That's like when I walk into a furniture store or a clothing store or anything. Whenever I see I, something will catch my mm. eye, and I walk up to it, look at the price tag, and I'm like, oh, now I see That's why, why you caught, caught my, my eye. eye. Right. Yeah, it does everything. Seven, I'll tell you. So I just, it turns out I just my got, wife. I just got a new front door. My wife does that. Rosati. Yeah. I just got a new big, and it's got the. I, yeah, and yeah. it's nice. Mm-hmm. And uh, it co- those things cost the. That's kind of what I said too. Is like if I ever move, I'm gonna go to Home Depot, buy a cheap door, Swap take, it out. take this take, one, they, yeah. take this one with me. Yeah. Swap it out. I'm yeah. gonna give a shout out there to the boys at Rosati. Though they man. came and installed it nice, and were very. They were great. Great, yeah. great to work with. I think Brett's worked or talked to us yep. a time or two. And uh, man, uh, what a what a nice store. I'm gonna call up the Renegade guys. Man, and, you know um, you're old when. Yeah. <laughs> when, you, when you're, got me a nice door. It used to be, man, that was a great bottle of whiskey. That's right. Nah, nah. Yeah. Boy, my front door, boy. Would you stop them by and I'll show you my, my door. door. <laughs> you want to come check out my tunnel cover? 
Yeah, straight bring, yeah, bring your Tonto cover. Yeah, bring your Tonto over. check that yeah. out. And you can look at my <laughs> door. Hey, I'll tell you what. Shorty sat on the inside of the house and outside of the house yesterday just looking at the door. A couple times I did too. I'd walk up. I'd be like, man, it's a good little door. And you get to go through it every Black day. Black on you. the outside and walnut on the inside. You want to go so, through it every again, day? You, get to, you know your old Lynn. We got we to gotta adjust <laughs> our living room now because that's the door that yeah. I normally I had a TV in front of it. We didn't use the front door. Mm. We used the side door. Yeah. But now it's kind of like it'll transform your home. Now it's like, look at this door. <laughs> All right. Well, we here's can't a, cover up the door. Here's what we're gonna do. I, I promise to talk about World War II every episode. We're not gonna talk long. I was gonna say this on June second, twenty or June second, nineteen forty two. Yep. We're gonna jump from Dunkirk, and ironically, this is when Dunkirk ended. We talked about Dunkirk last time. This is where Dunkirk ended. But in nineteen forty two. This is when we were getting ready for one of the biggest naval battles of all time in the Pacific Ocean called Midway. And what it was, the Japanese were trying to lure our fleet away with all sorts of diversions. They were trying to take the island of Midway because as the island hopped across the Pacific Ocean, it gave them a strategic advantage and they were hoping to gain a surrender. They had their first real loss, I think, of the Pacific and Coral Sea. Right before that, they thought they sunk the Yorktown. Was it the Yorktown they thought they sunk? Yes. They thought they sunk the Yorktown, but no way. Good old American ingenuity comes through again. They haul that sucker back to to Honolulu and they patch her up and they send her out to Midway because we had been, unbeknownst to the Japanese, cracking their code. We had the code crackers going and uh, sort of the neat little Hollywood story is that we thought we had their code cracked. We knew there was an attack coming somewhere on an island. And in order to confirm that we had a code cracked, we sent out a diversionary message. So the United States sends out a message that um, their water treatment facility was down on the island. The the water treatment facility was down on Midway and we needed a repair. And then they, they monitored the Japanese communication afterwards because they thought I was at AK was what the Japanese uh, code for it was. I believe so. Yeah. They thought that uh, they had identified it as Midway as AK, but then the Japanese repeated it. They said, AK has a water treatment problem. And well, it was actually kind of touch and go there because the guy who figured it out had to sell it to the top brass yeah. because top brass, they weren't looking at midway as the strike point. They They're looking at something happen. else. And uh, so he had to devise his plan in order to get buy-in from the top brass. And isn't it, isn't it so amazing? It's like you get it's, these you get these guys in the lower, there's so many stories like this in, in history that there's, there's like one dude who knows what's going on. He can't convince the guy in charge that nope. he knows what's going on. And um, so what does he do? He creates his own strategy so it's bulletproof. He says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to create this idea. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send out this smoke screen or this bait and see if the Japanese take it. They took it. He went to the brass. They, they said, oh, you must be right. And we were able to intercept the Japanese fleet at Midway. They had no idea that we had the carriers there. They had no idea that the Yorktown was active. And we engaged in one of the most, I think it's one of the most studied naval battles of all time. Uh as a noted naval historian by the name of Craig Simons, spelled S-Y-M-O-N-D-S, which is the actual name, my last name, but they changed it when we came over. He called it the uh, one of the most consequential naval engagements in world history, ranking alongside Salamis, Trafalgar, and the Tsushima Strait as both tactically decisive and strategically influential. Interesting. Well, the battle didn't start until June 4, but uh, I brought it up on June 2 because we weren't going to be here on June 4, and this was the closest thing I could bring up. Well, and they're cracking the code, and, they, and they were, the, the plan was set already yeah. to 
to finally zero in on Midway. And again, so, this does say something, my bigger picture analysis of uh, American ingenuity. One, we had a code breaker who was able to not only crack the code, but crack through the brass and get his position heard and known. And I don't think that was necessarily anything that would have happened against or in the, uh, with the Japanese or the Nazis, um, and maybe not even with the Soviets, although that's a whole other crazy story. And the other thing is, is that the Japanese were, were Yamamoto was a known planner. Like he would tactically plan out so in such detail that he was considered brilliant, except when the details didn't add up or they didn't shake out, they didn't fall into place the way they needed to. It, there was a, it was difficult on the, in the flow or in the heat of battle to change. And there's a story that is true where they kept having to change from the long range to the short range planes and, or the torpedoes. You got the, you got the Tor dive bomber torpedoes or you got the drop bomb torpedoes and, onto Midway Island. Right. Right. And, and they had the uh, airstrips there. So they were going to bomb the airstrips. Right. So um, there was also some, uh, a lot of political wrangling in the Japanese fleet too, between the Imperial Navy and the army and Yamamoto finally won the day. But he picked Midway because it was thirteen hundred. Hey, You're talking. It was thirteen hundred miles um, northwest or northeast of uh, Hawaii, and uh, I'd I'd forgotten this is after Doolittle raid. Mm -hmm. So the Doolittle raid in April of this year of forty two prompted Yamamoto to pick Midway. He thought another strike on Pearl would bring everybody out, so he decided to go to Midway. And he, they didn't think that the Yorktown was saleable. Yeah. So, we, so it was just fascinating. Yep. We patched up the old Yorktown. We had uh, planes galore. So we had a whole separate fleet of attack planes that the Japanese didn't know about. And like anything, it, it comes down to like one dive bomber at the right time in the right place. And he is able to sink uh, the key Japanese uh, carriers. And it just... You know, a, a coin toss, this goes a different direction. And uh, look at it. And the it's war just changes a spit forever. of sand out there with an uh, airfield on it. And it, it just shows you that, uh, you know, how close things were, but also how important it was for us to win the war to use what I think people are now taking for granted. That is our innate ability to deal with problems on our own without a rigid command structure telling us how to do it. Because, you know, you can... You can zero down, zero down, zero down to the finest point, telling people what time to wake up, what socks to wear, and how high to pull them up. But eventually that backfires, and you end up with a bunch of rigidity that is uh, not only rigid, but in the converse, inflexible. And then when decisions have to be made on the fly, nobody has any practice, experience, or even authority to do it, and then they lose. It was true with the Nazis, and I think in this situation, it was somewhat true with the Japanese. They were making decisions. They were scrambling around, changing their torpedoes here and there. They lost the battle, and ultimately, that was the turning point in the Pacific. That, it destroyed uh, the Imperial Navy. And they, it, they, yeah. it wiped them out. And then, so instead of Japan getting their death blow that they were hoping on our Navy, we crushed theirs, and that was it. That was it. They didn't have any they reserves. Didn't have, they didn't have any reserves, and that was the battle plan of the day. And remember, this war will not be fought like the last war. So at that time, it was all about naval superiority and all this other stuff. Um, of course, Hitler did something way different. Yep. and. Um, but but they were not prepared to not have their imperial navy. Yes, that is true. So, and also right. to your other point, Steve, I think uh, in analyzing all this, I think when the lead starts flying, if you have a rigid form of of um, command and control, uh, you're going to get people killed on the ground. 
if you cannot do, you know, go into small units and do what we did and do what we do today, that's the best thing we do. And you, and you get your objective that way, you're stuck in place. And when you're stuck in place, you're dead. It's sort of like, uh, it's such an interesting thing because it seems on its face inconsistent with military command structure to, to say that we let our troops sort of engage on the ground as they need be. Because I think if you ask everybody, they would say, no, you don't do that. But then it really happens and nobody's, you don't get punished. It, well, it was almost by default. Yeah. So especially in, uh, in uh, D-Day, because we yeah. had so many misdrops and everything. So our commanders, our guys, the, the young officers took it upon themselves to cobble together units. And we still have an objective. We got to go do it. Yeah, we're going to. You're not going to wander around with your thumb up your butt. Let's go. Right. And and you say young officers. This is a. This is like Hitler would say that the Americans were weak and they're capitalist yep. and they're, you know, they're soft and they don't know what they're doing. And you know, these were farmers. Yes. These were school teachers. These were business guys. These were, uh, these were uh, in the country folks, city folks. Folks of all walks of life who had zero military training or experience prior to this, and they dropped them on the ground behind enemy lines, and uh, and they won the war. So, anyway, we'll uh, we'll move on from that. We'll have another one next week. But uh, lots of stuff here at five eleven. The comedian Jared, you already talked about it. Banks blowing up. You guys in here tonight? We will be in recording tonight, and then we'll be going to, to Red Rock to the open mic. Yeah, come check it out. Red Rock, where's Red Rock? Red Rock is in Black Lake, Ohio, right up Broad Street there, just uh, north of uh, 605 New Albany, Reynoldsburg Road. That's you and all the comics in tow. So, uh, yeah, so <clears throat> check that out. Here at Lawyer Talk, as always, uh, you can go to our website at Ohio or LawyerTalkPodcast.com, submit questions. We've had a few, uh, and we'll take them on. Uh, you can get your own podcast at channel511.com. We've been talking to Brett. We've got a questionnaire now that's going to go up that sort of helps you hone in on what you need for your own podcast. If it's business related, we can help. If it's just, hey, man, I just want to talk about something, we can help with that too. And as always, if you really, really like what you're hearing here, if you like what you're hearing with the comedians or any other uh, content you're getting live or otherwise, go to Patreon, become a Patreon member. You know, if all million of you people listening right now just give us a buck a day, we're going to be millionaires. Is that how that works? We will give back. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I'm just, uh, if, it, no, seriously, if you do want to support it, you know, this, we, we are volunteering to provide this awesome content. I mean, where else can you learn about World War II history? If everybody gave a dollar who's watching, we each could have a dollar. Right. We could go buy, <laughs> we, could, we could go eat off the Taco Bell 99 cent menu. All but, of us, um, all three of us. Yeah, all three of us. Yeah. Anyway. So, uh, now when you put in tax. Yeah, mm, yeah. Well, I only got to pay for the gas to get there. Government yeah. overreach yeah, again. Yeah, pay for the tax. But uh, no, we got some guests coming up. Uh, we'll disclose next week. Uh, other than that, this has been yet another riveting episode of Lawyer Talk live off the record, but on the air. Until now. See ya. Not so bad.